Okay, welcome back. We are with astrologer Sue Rose, the wonderful Sue Rose and her cosmic weather report. And I have to say, I love, love, love this subject that we are talking about today. I feel like it speaks to the foundations of our current environment right now. What do you think? We got a few subjects. We're going to talk about uh, basically the four foundation elements that set the template for astrology and the character types which again goes to this idea of archetypes because we really fit them. I mean, when you hear the signs and the people that are born to them, you could see certain obvious associations. It always blows my mind that most psychology, there, I've met a few psychologists in my life and psychiatrists that were open to this field, but basically it's treated as some kind of superstition from medieval times when it reveals so much. I call it the cosmic DNA. Oh, yeah. Perfect. I love that. Yeah. Cool. So can we have, just for our, our learners here and also our, our experts here who are listening, so can we just have that basic primer on the characteristics you're talking about? Well, let's start with the idea that the sun is the basic component of the chart that represents the true essence of the person. And because there are 12 zodiac signs, I liken this to Jesus having 12 disciples and Abraham having 12 tribes. There are 12 fundamental right ways to be. Quite different than the one size fits all, only one right way that fits any autocratic society. The moon is the inner self, your family life, how your family programmed you. It's got a lot to do with inherited characteristics and how you set up a home and a family. Mercury is the mindset, what you believe in, um, how you think and, and compose your thoughts and ideas. Venus is the principle of romantic love, sensuality, uh, pleasure, gravitating towards what types of artistic sensibilities. Mars preserves the ego, the quintessential sense of self, the fight or flight syndrome. Mars can be very aggressive, hence the planet of war. And then the five outer planets, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, all relate to generations of people because Jupiter stays in a sign generally a year Millions of people are born in a year. Jupiter is basically where your faith is, where your vision is, where you, your sense of expanded or expansive possibilities rests. Saturn is literally the opposite. It's where you have fear, limitations, a sense of karma, a ball and chain. Everybody's got Saturn somewhere, and it's generally where people pay their dues. Uranus spends seven years in each sign. Millions of people born under each Uranus transit. For example, right now Uranus is transiting Taurus. And the idea of Uranus is where the rules get tested. It's the shaker upper. It's the planet that rolls over the apple cart to allow for change. There can only be evolution if we throw off what used to be true and real. We have to keep evolving. Neptune can represent, this is the planet we've been talking a lot about because it represents Pisces with the two fish. So you have that higher fish, which is the search for the numinous and connecting to all that is and that blissful connection to what most people call God. And then we have the other fish, which is really about self-deception, shooting the self in the foot. It, it represents all of the addictions and escapist behaviors and in fact represents hospitals, jails, and all the institutions where people have to get their sense of self back. And finally, Pluto, which is the god of the underworld and represents a lot of things that go on under the surface, including our sex drive. And it has a lot to do with potentials for criminal acts and mob violence. But on the positive, it's transformation and transmutation. So we say that Aries is ruled by Mars and Taurus is ruled by Venus and Gemini is ruled by Mercury and Cancer is ruled by the moon. Leo is ruled by the sun up until present times. Virgo is still ruled by Mercury. It shares that with Gemini. Um, Libra is ruled by Venus, again, sharing that with Taurus. 
Scorpio is represented by Pluto, although some people dispute that. The, the Vedic astrologers in India say Mars. And then we have Sagittarius ruled by Jupiter. That's why so many Sagittarians are so lucky. They remind me of somebody just, you know. Oh, isn't that, that so true? They are. You know, it's they so, are. They yes. are such a, they're born with a positive attitude. They are the sign that says it's going to work out, even if they're literally drowning. <laughs> and then Capricorn comes next. I, I joke that Capricorn is the contingency plan that emerges when Sagittarius's optimism fails. Because mm. actually Capricorn ruled by Saturn truly governs insurance companies, you know? And they're always the ones that when, when there's nothing left to do, it's usually the Capricorn that rescues everybody because they have such a pragmatic sense of seriousness. You know, they're like, we're gonna get this job done. Aquarius is ruled by Uranus. And Candace and I were discussing the fact that there really are a lot of retrograde Aquarians living today. They're supposed to be the champions of all that's new and unique and inventive and innovative. And some of they them have like so this wonderful, large world thought process. You know, They're they see everything. To. I mean, I love Aquarians that are that way. And I've certainly met some. But, you know, there's some on the political scene today that give that sign a bad name. And then finally, Pisces, where there's so much duality, duplicity. And, and it's the, the sign of ultimate dichotomy. Either the two fish find a divine coalescence, a coming together, a high partnership, or it's a total splitting apart. I don't want to go off subject, but right. can, are, are you able to do a quick list of the Aquarians that have gone yes, rogue on I us? Yes, I can. <laughs> You know, I, one of the things that keeps me sane in these really odd times is noting, you know, you know, who is who in the great cosmic scenario. So here's a couple of Aquarians that I believe betray this higher truth. See, another ideal of Aquarius, and Edgar Cayce spoke about the importance of ideals, that they're like the North Star that sets us in the direction of all that could be for the greater good. So when somebody serves self-interest, that really betrays the Aquarian ideal, brotherhood, sisterhood, amistad, friendship. Paul Ryan, sorry, Paul, Kevin McCarthy, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Amy Comey Barrett, because she's stuck in this conservative, almost like a handmaid's tale perception. Um, Judge Roberts, he's, he's pretty cool, though. He's not quite as stuck. Brett Kavanaugh, Sarah Palin, Glenn Beck, Ronald Reagan set the template for a conservative Aquarian. Dick Cheney, he's in another world now. Jim Jordan, kind of a sellout. And that's pretty much my Aquarian betrayers list. Wow. I mean, yes. Um, I, I had a thought when you were talking about the moon, the sun, and Mercury. Would you say that the moon, the sun, and Mercury would be the seeds of a person? They really are. They really are. And, and a lot of astrologers also count the rising sign, the ascendant, but many people do not know an accurate birth time, so we cannot really give them an ascendant because it's really based on the time of birth. But the sun is basically the sense of self. The moon is the inner self, what you really need emotionally and how you connect emotionally, make family life and bonds, which are very important. We're social creatures. And Mercury is the mindset. Who favors Mercury most? The expression of self, like what the sun would be, would really kind of tie into Mercury, understanding well, a lot of the belief have system? The sun near Mercury, and we call that a combust Mercury. And here's a funny analogy. Take the times of, um, you know, when there were kings and the messenger had to show up to give the king news. Remember how they would yeah. take the head off if it was bad news? <laughs> so basically, it's best if Mercury, the messenger, isn't too close to the king, which is the sun. And what I, I notice with people, and this is in, you know, some of the uh, really foundational textbooks on astrology, if Mercury is too close to the sun, again, look at the analogy of the king and his messenger or her messenger, um, a person doesn't get any real perspective on themselves. They're almost incapable 
of honest self-analysis. That's why, you know, you have to flatter the king. Anything you say, your majesty, anything you say. Uh, but the further Mercury is away, and it can never be more than one sign away. I mean, you look at the astronomy. Mercury is the first planet orbiting the sun. But you can have a Taurus with Mercury in Gemini, which gives greater perspective, or Mercury on the other side in Aries. Do you happen to know anybody who's got that balanced Mercury sitting between moon and sun? Who, well, that's a little, I, I don't know. Well, you'd have to I dive into that. And that really wouldn't be such a balance because the sun and Mercury can't be more than one sign apart. So that would mean all three would be converged together. There are people born with sun, moon, Mercury very close together. But see, again, that would kind of, the sun and moon together happens once a month at new moon. I call it a marriage of the lights because I'm a romantic Leo. And by marriage of the lights, you know, the whole uh, inception of moon dance is the idea that when those lights, sun and moon, yin and yang, get together, they give birth to the archetype that represents that particular month. So this week we're going to have um, the new moon in Leo. Leo, a lot of people say it's governed by the sun, but in mythology it's Apollo. Apollo pulls the chariot across the sky. It's a very idealistic golden youth. There's a youthfulness to Leo. So basically this is a kind of rebirth of our um, highest feelings. You know, Leo is the heart. It's what we really want to, want to believe in from a heart-based level. We see a lot of heavy stuff going on in the world today. This is a kind of uh, nourishment regeneration at the heart level. It's on August 8th, by the way, of 2021. Okay, so I love that we've had this primer because the content of today really is going to bring together like the, the most foundational blueprint of what what we're absorbing, is it just through media or just all around us? Well, media stimuli? is actually ruled by Mercury. And, you know, there is a lot of interesting information, not in conventional media, that says that in the U.S. we're the most mind-controlled population that's ever lived. It started with Bernays, Edward Bernays, who was actually the nephew to Sigmund Freud. And at the time, Sigmund Freud, a Taurus, was learning about subconscious desires in people. Granted, they lived in a very repressed time where, you know, you really couldn't go out and get laid and you just couldn't be spontaneous. Gay people, forget that. I mean, everything was under wraps. So Freud understood these unconscious desires and must have discussed it with his, his nephew, Edward Bernays, who then brought these revelations to Madison Avenue. And they began to advertise not so much market Marketing the product, but marketing the feeling, the desire associated with the product. So that was the beginning of it. And look at mass media today. Many people can't even put down their cell phones. These transmitting devices, electronic, they come from Uranus, the field of Aquarius, are mesmerizing. The media has a tremendous hold over people's perceptions. So I was noticing that the first three signs are Aries, Taurus, Gemini particularly Aries and Taurus. And Aries sets up the masculine principle, although it's ruled by Mars, not the sun. Leo is the sign ruled by the sun. And then uh, Taurus, the second sign, is ruled by Venus, not the moon, although we say the moon is exalted. I mean, it has special dignity in the sign of Taurus. That's complicated. But in media, we've got a lot of Aries pundits, like Ari Melber. Uh, we've got Joe Scarborough, Morning Joe, Amy Goodman with Democracy Now!, Rachel Maddow with her show, Jank uh, Uger, who's got the Young Turks, very interesting independent podcast, broadcast. And then in Taurus, Tucker Carlson, who's supposed to be the number one talk show. He's a Taurus. Roger Isles, or Ailes, who started uh, the programming on Fox News. He's passed away, also a Taurus. Stephen Colbert, comedies. That's a funny thing, too, going back to the idea of the analogy of the messenger to the king. Only the fool can tell the king the truth. Right. So a lot of times you get the comedians who are the most honest about the conditions of the kingdom these days. Another one in Taurus, brilliant, I think, John Oliver. 
Uh, Mika Brzezinski is a Taurus. Uh, Michael Moore, who's not with a media platform per se, but makes interesting documentaries, a Taurus. And this is hardly an exhaustive list. A couple of Geminis that come to mind in Fox, Janine Pirro and Laura Ingraham. There are others, but those are the ones that I was thinking about. So these people are really shaping consciousness. And they're the primary signs. Now, I was thinking that the way creator, God, goddess, created this zodiac template was was based on high ideals, you know, the highest potential optimum expression of each sign. I think in the age of Pisces, remember fish against fish, there's been a devolution. There's been an undermining, an inversion of the core principles so that Aries, Mars, which should represent the strong protecting the weak and a positive self-interest that does protect the individual without violating others has become, you know, a war cry and an extremely violent society. I mean, you know, very, very violent society. When we go to Taurus, it's the principle of nurturing, honoring the Mother Earth for whom we get all our fruits and vegetables and produce and cattle and everything else. But that is mammon when it's really the love of money that takes over that reverence. And instead of wisely using resources, it becomes a calamitous greed fest. So there's an inversion of Taurus, which to me, or Venus, is mammon. And the inversion of Mercury is the manipulation of mass consciousness by having lies told often. Why is there an inversion? You know, the devil card of the tarot, which is basically the biblical idea, what profit a man to gain the world and lose his soul, is the representation of the sign of Capricorn because Capricorn is the last of the three Earth signs, and if Earth is about materiality and success on a mundane plane, Capricorn is when you climb the mountain, but you know you have all that status, and what if it means nothing? What if a person has sold their soul to get to that point? So right now, we're coming out of this Capricorn emphasis, but in the last two, three years, the sign of Capricorn totally, totally dominated. I said in the earlier podcast that there was a beginning major transition when both Jupiter and Saturn, the law and order duo, represented of the new and old Testaments both moved into Aquarius in cosmic uh, concordance right before Christmas around December 21 to 23 of 2020. Pluto is destined to go into Aquarius. That's once in 248 years in the year 224, 2024. So not that far up the road, cosmically speaking. And Aquarius is a kind of release from rebellion against all that heavy materiality. It's an air sign. Air blows freely. It's the highest of the three air signs, which is direct cognition, ideas, beliefs, the power of the mind to move the mountain. It's a very different energy, and it's highly inventive. So things we cannot even imagine right. will become to, you know, start to set into place uh, in that time. I mean, look at Tesla and look at these other ones who are going out into space. They're using private money to do interesting types of investment. There's so much private money out there. I want to try and convince Jeff Bezos to be a hero by taking all that plastic in the Pacific and turning it into reusable containers. Wouldn't that be amazing? I'm planning to write them. If anybody else wants to beat me to the punch, go for it. Yes. What a great idea. Thanks. They yeah. have Containers. a continent of plastic in the Pacific. It's that bad. And plastic can be recycled. And I was thinking if he had a, a set number of uh, uniform boxes, whatever you get from Amazon is going to come in one of those boxes. You pay a deposit, you get your deposit back when you return that box. Instead of, you know, I feel guilty if I get anything in the mail because how many trees died for our sins? Yeah. So who would you say, let's start with, give us like the prime example of 
where we're going into here. Like who who would be a prime archetype in our world? Well, I still think Pisces is very dominant and um, we were discussing why that would be an important thing to talk about. Well, Rupert Murdoch is a Pisces. He really created the whole basis for Fox quote unquote news. So I checked his chart and I think we did have, well, we have the exact time on him so we could really look at his chart. And when you have an exact time for somebody, you can see where all the planets sit in the great wheel. What's interesting is that you asked about if Mercury, you know, fits into the template. Rupert Murdoch was born with Mercury in Pisces. That's the sign of the two fish and hypothetically deceptive close to the sun in Pisces. So he was born with, you know, and he understood the power of deception. Another thing interesting in his chart is that his Saturn, which is that heavy duty, you know, conservative planet, rules Capricorn, the top of the mountain ambition, is in Capricorn. When a planet is in its own sign, it has a lot of power. It's like when you're in your house, you know, we hide things. You know, somebody else walks in there, they're at a loss. And his Saturn in Capricorn is almost diametrically opposed. That's called 180 degrees opposition to his Mars. And that's a tough one because Mars usually means self-interest opposite Saturn. He really was operating from a, a depth level of fear, I think, in a lot of ways. Born with Jupiter in Cancer, that's the exaltation of Jupiter, the luckiest planet. People that are born with Jupiter in Cancer usually are born into either families with money. A lot of Cancers are sharp with real estate. People that have planets in Cancer, good planets in Cancer, not Saturn in Cancer. But certain planets in Cancer also favor just intuition about where to buy. And they make all kinds of money because the prices go up. So, I mean, I found that interesting. And then I said, well, let me look at some of the other important Pisces. So I said Ben Laden was a Pisces. We don't have a time of birth on him but what was interesting that I found in, in three of what I consider to be the less positive Pisces that influence modern times, that includes Roy Cohn. Remember Roy Cohn? He was the mafia attorney. So another individual that I think has an influence over our final phase of the Piscean age and the battle between the upper fish of uh, everything being connected, we're all one, versus the dark fish was L. Ron Hubbard because he had an influence over Hollywood and Hollywood really shapes the public imagination in America. And I do have a birth time on L. Ron Hubbard. So he had Mercury close to the sun in Pisces. Again, this is the sign that can represent profound imagination, but Pisces is also deception. And he had Pluto in Gemini. And that to me fascinated me because another important person that shapes today's, really the, the scope of history, was the Dulles brothers, in particular, Alan Dulles. I read an interesting book called The Devil's Chessboard by David Talbot, and it, it shows the inception of the CIA and what they were doing to help win World War II. Okay, that was a noble objective, but then they started working really the dark side. Again, Gemini's a double sign, like Pisces, and Pluto's orbit is 248 years. It was in Gemini in the late 1890s and into the beginning of the 20th century. And I remember in my book, Neptune in the Final Phase of the Piscean Age, I recorded a lot of really important people born at a really rare convergence where Neptune, which rules Pisces and has a 165-year orbit, conjoined. It went into conjunction with Pluto, which is the planet with a 248-year orbit. They meet once every two centuries. And they met in Gemini, which is the sign ruled by Mercury of what we say, what we think, what we believe, how we market ideas. So Alan Dulles had that. He was born on that. And so was L. Ron Hubbard. And in Alan Dulles's case, even though he was an Aries born on April 7th, 
his Mars, the ruler of Aries, was exactly conjunct Neptune, which is the devious, duplicitous planet, and Pluto, which is the dark side, the underworld, in Gemini. Double speak. It was the beginning of saying one thing and doing another. What did Alan Dulles do? He founded the CIA. But going back to this idea of Pluto-Gemini, Pluto is power. Pluto is dark power, covert power. Pluto is the god of the underworld, spying and surveillance. And Gemini, as you say one thing, you could do another. The twins, two-faced. So L. Ron Hubbard learned something. Guess who else used these forces for centuries? The Catholic Church in the confession booth. And basically, that's what L. Ron Hubbard did. We're talking about mind control here. And a lot of cults, C-U-L-T cults, also practice these practices. I don't know how many people know about Reverend Sun Moon. When I was growing up in the 60s, people had to be deprogrammed from Reverend Sun Moon. He was a friend of the Bush family. How come these people that do these tactics always have friends in high political places? And they learn how to use manipulation to get people to give up their control of their own lives. That's not really what the Aquarian Age wants. Aquarian Age says God or goddess gave you free will. You're meant to use it. That's how you grow. You grow, you grow through trial and error. We don't always make good choices. We don't always necessarily act in the light. But when we put our finger on the hot stove, we learn something. Would you consider the, these people in media, the, one, the, the, the darker Piscians, the hot stove for us? We have a couple of major networks pumping pumping the airwaves with disinformation on a daily 24-7 basis, that cannot be good for the collective consciousness, especially now. But it totally fits the final phase of the Piscean Age with the fish against fish. A lot of people cannot discern what is true. Right, right. And I love the metaphor, you know, you used to hear the adage, food for thought. The metaphor is genetically engineered food. They're actually genetically melding, you know, especially with products like corn and wheat. They're melting the pesticide into the food. And never again can the twain be separated. So, you know, it's the same with truth. If you take a kernel of truth and you meld it into a falsehood, some of it's true. That's why people bite the apple. They say, oh, that sounds right. But they're also ingesting on, you know, a, a consciousness level, some really dangerous, you know, stuff. Do you think that this transition into the Aquarian age can be likened to the what people would refer to as the second coming of Christ, except well, that he rises? definitely rise... has end times affiliations with No, him. but in the sense that he rises within you, within each every individual. Well, I'd love to see that happen. No, because, I hope you, because that if, is. You, if you have no idea what's wrong, what's right, what's true, what's not, wouldn't you need to bring it forth from within? This idea of the Christ rising from within the individual, I think, is valid. You know, some people call that the ascension. There's a very cool astrologer. Her name is Pam Gregory. She's in, in United Kingdom. I like her. Uh, when Candace asked me uh, in our earlier uh, podcast, what can we do at this time of transition, what I did not mention, and Pam Gregory, to her credit, did, is that we have to raise our own vibration. And, you know, honestly, I don't think people can do that if they're, you know, um, consuming a lot of drugs or alcohol. I think, really, the body needs to be a pretty pure channel. I mean, I know Jesus did, you know, uh, turn the wine into wineskins. And a glass of wine here and there, a beer here and there is one thing. But a daily ingestion of anything that distorts consciousness is probably not great right now. I know people feel like they need it because it's really intense. Any practice of yoga, meditation, tai chi, walking on the beach, quiet stillness, really good if you can find it. It, connecting with nature, walking barefoot on the earth, trying to hold positive thoughts. I find that difficult, and I consider myself a spiritual being. Um, what would you say, what, was, what would be a, a very tangible way of, of explaining what raise your consciousness even means? Wow, that's Where, a hard raise thing the, to Raise answer. the vibration of your consciousness. 
chakra. Let's talk about the chakras for a moment. Uh, there are some, you know, systems from India that say there are more than seven chakras, but that's like the ancients worship seven planets. So the first chakra is the base chakra, and I, I see that as the raw, raw survival energy. You could liken it to Mars. In most systems, it is red, and that's the one where if people are starving, you take their bread away, they're going to fight for that bread. The second one is the navel chakra, and um, that one is about emotions. You know how they always say your emotions are in your gut? So that's emotions. The third one is the spleen, which is supposed to be more like, you know, the beginning of mental where we form our thoughts. So I have this idea that you could make a triangle out of those three and see it as body, mind, and emotions. If people have that in balance, at at least some balance, like you don't let your, your survival urges get the better of you, your aggression, your emotions are not out of whack, you know, they're balanced, you, you know, you try and practice peace and calmness. And you don't let your mind vegetate, you know, you, you, the mind is like an organ. It needs exercise, learn new things, read new things, stimulate that mind. So if those three are alive and, and glowing, uh, then I think it kind of catapults us to the fourth chakra, which is the heart. And I think that love is possible. And frankly, I think only really possible when those other three chakras are balanced. Because if somebody is out of balance physically, and I don't mean somebody who's handicapped who's living with it well, but I mean somebody who is, you know, totally absorbed by physical pain or they're abusing their body. I don't think they can really love another. I mean, they're, they're kind of caught up in their own conundrum. And if emotions are out of whack, we all know people that explode over nothing. So they're not going to be an easy person to, to be loving or, or receiving love. Anyway, then you go to the heart chakra, the fourth uh, chakra, which is the middle. And from there, the higher states of consciousness, the fifth chakra, which is the throat. And it's about power. And then you have um, the chakra right between your eyes. I forget the name of that. It's associated with the pineal gland and the corpus callosus, which is what joins the left and right hemispheres of the brain together, which is what most mystics describe, a kind of balance of that when they're in that higher state of awareness. And then the crown chakra, which is where all the light of cosmos filters into us. So I don't think that people, ordinary people, can access those three upper states until they're at that that level where the heart is an open chakra based on love. So I think that's what she means about raising vibration. Of course, love is all. And when we're coming from a perspective of love, that really raises vibration. And I don't mean necessarily lusting for another person's body, a higher love. It may include that, but it doesn't obliterate it. You know? Yeah, I think that because what we're talking about here is this opportunity to sever the ties to this great deception that's been going on for generations and generations, which would then allow Christ consciousness, quote unquote, to come through from within oneself. And that's a really good segue into the heart again, because Leo is the sign opposite to Aquarius. And I want to go here because I think it's really important. Conventional astrology puts Uranus as the guard or the governor of Aquarius. I, as a rebel, and Aquarius is the rebel sign, said, wait a minute. If Leo, the opposite sign, is Apollo, the god of the sun, turn it around to son of God... Then, then it turns out Apollo had a twin sister, and her name was Artemis, and she's the rebel. She's a kick-ass. And I think that's what Aquarius is. It's the beginning of the rise of the divine daughter, 
the daughter who's been neglected for centuries. So you see, you know, a lot of women around the world, especially indigenous women, young ones too, they're standing up, they're fighting, you know, against the oil pipelines, they're fighting to preserve the rainforest. Berta Carceres, I think is how you say her name. She fought not to have a dam built in Honduras. Her daughter took over because they did murder her. There's a lot of assassination of a lot of indigenous people trying to fight to protect nature fight to protect Mother Earth. But the point is that Artemis is the Leo principle. So love is the balance to this. Love is what is needed to raise the vibration and raise the consciousness. I, um, I, I do want to, because you just started talking about the, the, the Earth and the, and, the, and the weather, and we are moving into hurricane season. And what do I see? I picked some dates. I really yeah. did. I always look it up. You know, I see, I see Pisces, those two fishes, the spinning vortex. And there's always a full moon in Pisces in the phase of Virgo. The phase of Virgo is September 22, 23 to, um, wait, August 22, 23 to about September 21 to 23. It depends on the year. The date of the equinox determines whether it's the 21, 22, 23 of that particular year. Anyway, it's the first week of September because we're going to have Mars, which is already in Virgo, opposite to Neptune, which is the ruler of Pisces, and it loves that rain because it's Poseidon, the god of the sea, and all oceanic streams, every raindrop tries to find its way back to the sea. Um, so we're going to have Mars, which is violent, in Virgo, cleanup sign, opposite to Neptune the first couple of days of September, and then the full moon Pisces is on September 7. So my bet is that week, and I was thinking, my goodness, there's so many earth changes. There were floods in Europe this week. There were floods in India. There were the fires out west. There was heat waves. So much is going on. You know, can you even pick a date I know anymore? we can't even say, you know? oh, it's hurricane season, because now you've got, yeah, you've got so much weather. So weather much going, going on. on everywhere. Yeah. Well, I, I think that this is a, I want to close this with just going back and reviewing what we, how you, you beautifully described the chakra system and then why it's so important to I, I, I guess lead with the heart yes. from here on out Yes, because that's the one thing you can trust and wait I want to say something <laughs> here too we live in a society that shuts feelings down but all this suppressed emotion, in my view, is why so many people are depressed. Let the emotions out. Maybe you dance. Maybe you sing. Maybe you journal. Maybe you scream into a pillow. You got to let the emotions out. And, and don't be afraid to feel what you feel. That's why in, in, in the tarot, the card for Leo is the lion for courage. Because it's courageous to be present to what you feel. It's always being devaluated as if it shouldn't even exist. And that's part of suppressing the, the feminine so that all this masculine domination can continue. We have to have the courage to be present to what we feel. That's um, awesome. Okay, and so I, I would love to say just from, from a physician standpoint that I think one of the ways you're talking about with balancing the, the lower chakra system so that the heart can flourish in this way that you're, you're talking about is a, real, a really good hard look at the digestive system, what you're putting into your that body. That is true. How that you're absorbing it, like even stimulation, even people talking to you or at you, how you're bringing it into your body, right. how you're processing it. Are you processing it? Is it just sitting there? Is it festering? And a lot of this has to do with the foundational work process of your digestive system. So maybe taking a look at your, your nutritional intake, your diet, who you've got around you what you're choosing to ingest. That's very true. The whole point is moderation. Edgar Casey, one of my spiritual teachers, used to say, even coffee's not bad. Moderation. I mean, even you ingest the news, too. So moder yeah. anything that you ingest, food, news, uh, um, friends, people, relationships. It's really true. Um, it's really uh, true, education. but then, you know, do we want to live in a bubble? That's the other side of the coin, you know. 
one of the Piscean songs, and, and actually, uh, remind me who did that, Don't Worry, Be Happy, Bobby McFerrin, right? He yeah. was a Pisces. I'm like, oh my God, this is textbook. Don't worry, oh, be happy. <laughs> but sometimes I think we're, you know, part of being in the Aquarian age, I said this in the last podcast, you know, the courage of feeling what you feel, but also to be in a state of awakening. I don't but think not, we're going to be allowed to stay o- in our bubbles. But don't overindulge. Right. That's where balance comes you, you in. Don't, know you don't you overeat. You have to process it. Yes. So uh, view it, hear it, absorb it, but process it. Process it and then integrate it. Right. Don't just hear it and read it. Listen to it. Integrate it into your That's life. That's why Practice Venus it. created the arts because a lot of times, you know, abstract, whether it's photography, sculpture, music, boy, those are great outlets. And this really does take us to the topic I'd love to talk about next time, moon yeah. dance. Yes. Because... So many people are using antidepressant drugs to shut down what they really feel. You know, the idea of being really present to what you feel, it's courageous. We are not supposed to feel the same way every day. The moon controls mood. It has a 29-day cycle. It goes through the 12 signs. So look at the dichotomies in your life. Take a moment to be present to why you choose to think and feel the way you do and decide if there's any way you can modulate it. Yeah. I love it. Perfect. Thank you, Sue Rose, for being Thank here with you, us Thank you, my today. dear. You genius. And have a wonderful week, everybody.